Amen. Well, we are in part three of this series, How to Bless Your Neighbor. And if you're new to church, that might sound a little weird. So let me just show you where this comes from. It's in the first book of the Bible, and God is talking to one of his earliest followers, Abraham. And he's trying to explain to Abraham not only what he wants to do to Abraham, but also what he wants to do through Abraham. And it's not just about Abraham. It's about Abraham and the nation of Israel and eventually the church. It's about, it's about you and it's about me. And so this is what he says in Genesis 12, 2 through 3. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. It's good news, somebody. And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. If you're a Christian today, this is really important for us to grasp because the blessing that God has given you, the blessing that God has put on your life was never supposed to stop with you. Like it was never supposed to be a dead end. It was never supposed to be a cul-de-sac, but, but God meant it to be a highway that how he is blessing you, that that is flowing through you to others. And so if that is the goal of the Christian life, then the question becomes how? How do we bless our neighbors or what does that look like? And, and we've, um, we're using this acronym BLESS and we didn't come up with this. This isn't our thing, but, but we're using this thanks to Community Christian Church. The first one is this, we begin in prayer. We, we covered that last week. If you, if you missed that, please go back and check that out. Today, we get to talk about listening. And I just want to pause for a moment here on the front end of this, because I don't think that we can talk about blessing unless we talk about humility. That's what the first two of these talk about, that, that the first part of blessing our neighbor does not start with do. It's not about what, what we can do or where we can jump in, because that assumes that we know what they need. But ultimately, we start with prayer, beginning in prayer, and then we go to them to identify where they're hurting. The, how many of you know this, that the church does not have all the answers? Christians do not have all the answers, that we're, we need as much help as anybody. And so we go to God and we go to them to figure out how to bless them and how they need blessing. So we're going to be talking about listening today. I just need a, a quick poll, whether you're online or in the room, how many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you are great listeners? Only a couple. Okay, I thought it was going to be the whole room and I was going to be by myself. Let me, just, let me just admit something. I am not a good listener. I do not think that people around me would say that I'm a good listener. Let me tell you a story to, to prove it to you. So um, our oldest her name is Nora. She's a cute little redheaded girl. She turned four a couple weeks ago. And my wife, my beautiful wife, who is a much better parent than me and a much better person than me, she was trying to plan Nora's birthday. And she was trying to put things together that Nora would really like to do. We were in the same room at the same time. She was working on birthday stuff. I was not. I was doing something else. And every so often, she would just throw these ideas out, trying to get a gauge on where I was of... Um, of things that we could do for Nora's birthday. And so she'd throw out something and be like, oh, babe, it's a great idea. Throw out something else. Oh, Nora's going to love that. Throw out something else. Man, come up with the best ideas, right? A couple minutes later, I go into the kitchen, and I have an interaction with Mel, and I feel like something's off. And so I just ask her, I say, Mel, babe, like, what's wrong? What's going on? And she says these words. She says, nothing. I'm fine. <laughs> and someone Somewhere, probably a guy, the hair on the back of your neck just stood up. And for whatever reason, you don't feel safe, okay? 
That, that, that was where I was. I, I have not been married very long, but I, but I know that when I hear those words, nothing, I'm fine, that does not mean nothing, I'm fine. That means everything is wrong and you did it, okay? So I, I, I press in a little bit. I say, Mel, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Finally, she told me. She was just trying to tell me how it made her feel. And, and she said, Evan, I was trying to talk to you about planning Nora's birthday. And I said, I know. You, like, I, every time you said something, I said something back. Like, you said this idea, I said, great idea. And she said, no, 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 no. I wasn't looking for your affirmation. I was looking for your input. You weren't listening to me. I tell you that story so that you would get one thing. Number one, if you pray for the Hooksmas, pray for my wife, okay? As she's dealing with me. But I think I'm not alone. This, this is author Stephen Covey. He says this. I hate this quote. This quote is convicting for me. He says, most people, maybe not you, but most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. I think that's so true for the world we live in today. I know there are some of you by this time, you're asking, man, why are we talking about this today? Like, why are we talking about listening? Why is this so important? And I think as Christians, when we think about God, isn't this something that we just love about him? That whenever you want, whenever you need him, no matter what he's doing, no matter what you're doing, that if you were to reach out to him, if you were to, if you were to pray to him, that he would be right there listening to you. That he doesn't screen your calls. Or he doesn't send an automatic reply to your email. He doesn't ask his angels to, to shush you off to someone else. But that whenever you want to, he is right there listening to you. And what if, what if we were to do that for the people around us? The question I hope that we get to, to answer today collectively, that we walk away with some clarity around is this. How do I listen in such a way where it truly becomes a blessing? And that's why I say no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, I think this will help you today. We're going to be following the example of Jesus in John 4 and walking along and, and learning from him. And I think no matter where you're at, there are some incredible principles in here that we can take that will help us to get closer to the people around us, the people that matter most. And so we're going to be starting in verse 1 today. It starts like this. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and, and baptizing more disciples than John, although it wasn't really Jesus, but his disciples who did it, he left Judea and started back towards Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Now, there are a lot of confusing things in here, so let me just catch you up to speed. Jesus has started his ministry. He's gathered his 12 disciples. He's gone from Galilee, which um, not a lot of people would have gone to, and he's gone to the big city, to Jerusalem, and he started to do ministry. He's made a big commotion. He's cleared out the temple, and now they're outside of Jerusalem baptizing lots of people. There are, there's a lot of heat on Jesus right now, and so wisely, he, he knows that he and his disciples need to go up to a quieter neck of the woods. Like They need to go back to Galilee, and, and Scripture says something really interesting. It says he had to go through Samaria which the early listeners of this, the early followers of Christ would know if they knew the geography, which we don't, but if they knew the geography, they would know that he did not have to go through Samaria. That in fact, if he was a good Jew, that he would have avoided Samaria at all costs. He would have done anything but go through Samaria because Samaritans were the enemy, but scripture says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And what we'll see later in the story is, is that he changed everything. 
He pivoted. He, he switched his travel plans. He changed his calendar. He made an intentional choice. And it wasn't because it was a comfier route. It wasn't because they had better restaurants. It wasn't because of any of that. It was because of who he would meet. That he changed everything because of one person. He made an intentional choice. And I know Jesus hasn't done any listening yet. I know he hasn't even started a conversation yet. But what I want to draw out of this passage today is three things that if you don't have them, if you don't know them, that you're going to have a hard time finding spaces to listen. There are three prerequisites to listening, if you will. And they, and they all come out of this story. And we, as we follow along Jesus, we're just going to learn from him and what he does. Jesus knew this. He knew that listening doesn't happen by accident that the natural course of events, that it doesn't happen by accident. Jesus had to make an intentional choice. You could say it this way. Listening begins where margin defends. That if you don't have margin to spend time with people, listening is really hard. That if you're going 100 miles an hour from A to B to C to D, that, that it becomes really, really hard to listen to people. Margin has to be fought for. It doesn't just show up randomly on your calendar. We have to make room to listen to people on purpose. I can see this with my own kids. We have a four-year-old and an and a almost 18-month-old. And this is true for me as a parent. This isn't true for my wife, but this is true for me. If my kids can't see me, they do not come looking for me. Like, I truly think that I could be gone for days and they would not notice. Like, they're just locked in. That's not true for my wife. If my wife is gone for more than five minutes, they start freaking out. But if, but if I'm gone, they're, they're fine with it. They don't come looking for me. But if, if I'm in the right place at the right time, if I'm in their line of sight, if I'm in the same room that they're in, they are like sharks that smell blood in the water. And they come up to me and they're like, daddy, do you want to play with me? Daddy, do you want to read me a book? Daddy, do you want to swing me on the swing? Daddy, do you want to go on the walk? Daddy, 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 daddy. If I'm in the right place, at the right time, if they can see me, if I'm accessible, then they, then they come up to me. Why do I tell you that story? It's because I think for so long, and, th and I think our culture has pressed this in us, that I think it's so easy for us to live by this dirty little secret as Christians that our neighbors will never miss us because they never see us. That our weekends our weeks are so jam-packed that we are filling it with things that we want to do, that we're going from A to B to C. We're having tons of fun. But the only times that we're home, we are not accessible. And we're not available and we're not ready, that there's no margin. And I just want to draw attention to the fact that Jesus pivoted on purpose, that he changed intentionally to make margin so that he could connect with people. That's the first one. The story goes on. Verse 6 says, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired out by his journey. He was sitting by the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews don't share things in common with Samaritans. I love how it describes Jesus here. Because Jesus was fully God, yes, but he was also fully man. He was hungry. He was tired. He was thirsty. Like if I was Jesus, I would have put in some headphones. Like I would have taken a nap. I would have checked my mail. I would have watched something on my phone. But Jesus isn't just physically present. He's emotionally engaged. 
And he goes first. He starts the conversation. Here's what we learned from Jesus. It might seem a little counterintuitive, but just let me explain. Listening doesn't wait for someone else to start talking. That Jesus actually started things. He was the one who, who went first. I love this about Jesus because he knew this. He was ready to listen to the woman before she even started talking. Isn't that incredible? He actually went out of his way. He was tired, he was hungry, he was thirsty, but he was ready to listen to this woman before she even started talking, that he sought her out. It's incredible. Just imagine if you had those two things, if you had margin where you had space to interact with people and you went out of your way to connect with them and ask them questions. It's incredible. It goes on, verse 10 and 12. This is their conversation. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. Where, do you, where are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks who drank from it? See, this part of the story encourages me because if we were to peer in on, on Jesus' conversation with her, this is just my opinion, it does not appear to be going well. Like there's some friction, there's some tension, like they don't, their lines are getting crossed. Like they don't actually seem like they're connecting. And, and, and here's the long and short of it is this woman doesn't know who Jesus is and frankly, she doesn't care. And he's talking in third person, which is probably weeding, uh, weirding her out a little bit. She, she, she doesn't know who he is and she doesn't want anything to do with their conversation. And Jesus, if I was Jesus, I would have done one of these. Like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening, but I am Sorry. I'll leave you here, you stay, I'll go find my disciples. They should have been back with the food already anyways. But Jesus doesn't do that. He ignores the, all the social cues and he presses deeper. Their conversation continues. Just read this. Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water, they'll just be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give them, well, they'll never be thirsty. And the water that I give will become in them a spring gushing up to eternal life. And then the woman said to Jesus, sir, give me this water so that I don't ever have to be thirsty again or have to keep coming to draw water. What's amazing about this conversation is that something changes for the woman. Her entire demeanor, she's ready to go deeper. And if Jesus would have turned his back, if he would have given up, if he would have walked away, she never would have got there. This is what Jesus knows about listening. This is the, the third and last thing that you and I can pick up just from the story is that listening requires resilience. Got to be a resilient listener. Let's just say you have the first two. Let's just say you have lots of margin where you can connect with people. Let's say that you even go out of your way to ask questions and create connections. You have to have this third one too. Why? Because we all know that when listening begins, listening is messy. <laughs> because people are messy. And, I, and if I can guarantee you one thing, I can guarantee you this, that as you listen, you are going to hear things that you do not agree with. You're going to hear things that may be offensive towards you, but we have to be resilient. Ultimately, because listening for us, it's the same thing that Jesus did for us, that while we were far off, like while we were, while we were covered in sin, while we were offensive, while we had nothing to offer God, he, Scripture says, he died for us. And so that's the same thing that we do for other people. And, and if that's not your personality, that's okay. It's not a personality thing. It's a, it is a blessing thing that Jesus calls us to be people of blessing. 
And how do we grow in that? We grow in that with one thing, I think, being rooted in God's grace, that if he did it for us, that we can do it for others. There's going to be some tense moments. That's okay. That's normal. There's going to be some pushback. Don't let it define the relationship. It's a stage. You don't have to stay there. But Jesus was a resilient listener, and something amazing starts to happen as he combines these three things, the creating margin and um, going first, asking questions, and being a resilient listener. Something starts to happen. The woman starts to open up. A window starts to open. And Jesus sees that, and he responds to it. I don't have it on scripture on the screen. You can go back later and listen to it. But let me just tell you the story. Jesus sees, Jesus sees that she's ready to go deeper and he says, okay, go get your husband. And her eyes kind of shoot down to his feet and she says, sir, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know because you've had five husbands and the, the man that you're with right now is not your husband. And I don't know about you, but at this point I'm kind of like knocking on the pages of the story like, Psst, Jesus. What are you doing? Why'd you say that? But something amazing happens. The woman does not run away. She stays. And she directs the conversation somewhere else, but Jesus brings it back eventually. He says, no, 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 I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to cast blame on you. I'm just here to tell you that that doesn't have to be the same, that your life can start over, that you can have a fresh start. And she says, yeah, I know. I've heard that that's going to happen at some point. I've heard that God's going to send a Messiah who will save us from our sins. I'm, I'll wait for that day. And I just imagine looking at her with as much, Jesus looking at her with as much love as he can muster and saying, you know, I, I, I really didn't have to change my course to walk down this road. And I didn't have to start a conversation. And I didn't have to press through the discomfort of that conversation when things got tough, but I did it all just so that I could tell you this one thing. You know that second chance that you're looking for? That reset button on your life? You being made new where you're not defined by the things that you've done or have been done to you, but that you can start afresh? You know that savior that you're waiting for, that, that one day will come where he will save you from that sins? I've come to tell you today that that savior, that's me. And you don't have to wait, but you can have it today. And so we see her response to this in verse 28. It's incredible. She, she forgets her stuff. She goes back to the town and she says to them, come, see the man who's told me everything that I've ever done. And, and the whole town goes with her to meet Jesus. I love the way that the Bible phrases that. He's told me everything I've ever done. No, he didn't. But he listened to her. And how many of you know that when someone truly listens to you, that's how it feels. That they know you that they've listened to you, that they, that they love you. And that's why this is so important because this is, this is how we experience when someone listens to us. This is David Augsburger. He says this, I love this quote, that being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. It's not about listening. It's about what listening does to a person. It's about what listening Bring, where listening brings someone to. This is why listening is so important. If, if you've been tuning out at any point, just, just come back. I just want you to get this one thought. This is what everything's been leading up to, that, that why is listening so important? Why is listening so crucial to neighboring? It's because listening clarifies need. It, it opens a window. It shows you what someone is going through. It clarifies need and communicates love. That if an atmosphere of love is created, it is so easy to take steps. 
That's what scripture says. Scripture says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not his anger. It's not his wrath. It's not his scorn. It's not, it's not the feeling of not being enough. It's his love. It's his kindness that, that makes us want to move towards him. And that's what an atmosphere of love does. And listening creates that atmosphere of love. You see, you and I get the privilege of just listening people to Jesus. That's it. Listening people to Jesus. It's not all on us. We don't have to force it. We're not trying to make something happening. We are just listening people to Jesus. We're creating an, an environment, an atmosphere of love where it's really easy for people to take steps, where they can identify where that need is coming from and, and how Jesus can meet it so that we, when we listen to people that we can introduce them, show them, display to them the radical love that God has for them. So church, listen to your neighbors. Listen to them long enough until a window starts to open. You know, this, this story about Jesus and the woman at the well, it, it brings up some raw feelings for me. Years ago when we were first married, we were living in an apartment complex, and right next door to us, like our closest neighbor was a neighbor named Steve. And Steve was the grumpiest old man that you had ever met. Like, just didn't like everything, right? Didn't like kids, didn't like noise, didn't like, he was just rough and gruff. And when we started our relationship, there was lots of tension. But as the years went on, as Steve and I built a relationship, as we got to know each other, I started to learn something about Steve. We actually became pretty good friends. That this whole rough, gruff exterior, man, it was all a front because Steve was hurting. He was not close to people around him. He had a son in town. He had grandkids in town, but, but he did not get to spend with, time with them near as much as he wanted to. He never told me why, but I assumed that it was because of how he treated people. And so he was just broken. And one morning, it was on my day off, one morning he comes up to me, we're both outside, and he starts to open up a window. And he starts to talk to me, and he says, Evan, I'm lonely. And I wish I could say, church, that at that point I set down my coffee and I stood up and I took him by the shoulder and I said, Steve, I know. I know you're lonely. I know you're struggling with the relationships in your life. I know you're afraid that people are going to walk out on you, that, that you're going to scare people off. Can I introduce you to someone? Can I introduce you to someone who, who knows you in and out, who's not afraid of you, who you can't run off, someone who um, has done everything to be in relationship with you, someone who will be, you, be with you now and forever, who will never leave you or forsake you? Can I introduce you to someone, my friend? And I wish in that moment that I could say that I responded with truth and with love, but you know what I responded with instead? Politeness. Friendliness. Steve wasn't a Christian. He didn't know where to go with the needs that he has. And, and I truly believe that God had put me in that place to help connect those needs. And a while after, I realized the miss. I realized the mistake. And so I went to Steve and I invited him to church. And, and that window that was open, that tenderness that he had shown, had hardened over. And it was less than a year later that Steve passed away from some complicated health issues. Church, you want to know what I'm so afraid of? I'm so afraid that I'll never see Steve again. That I won't see Steve in eternity. And that there was a moment 
that he wanted, that he was so close, that, that he just needed somebody to listen to him. That's it. And I know for myself that I never want another experience like that to pass me by. And I don't want you to pass by an experience like that either because God has placed us specifically at the street that you're on in the apartment complex that you're on, wherever you're at, he has placed you, placed you specifically to be in your sphere of influence and he wants to use you. He doesn't just want to bless you, but he wants to bless you so that you are a blessing to the world. That the blessing that God has for our life doesn't end with us. We don't own it, but we're supposed to be, it's supposed to be communicated through us. And so if you want to take a step today, I just want to help you as much as I can. I want to make it as clear and as practical. They're, they're really quick. It's really simple. If you're taking notes today, you can write it down, or I promise that you can remember them. Here they are. If you want to take a step today, the first one is this, create margin. That if nothing changes with your schedule, if nothing changes about where you spend your time, church, can I just say, nothing will change that we have to create some margin for relationships with the people around us. I'll, I'll give you some super practical ones. Okay, take walks in your neighborhood, right, and walk really slow. Like, I mean so slow that people come out to check if you're okay. Like, just like, like really slow because you're looking for people. It should take you a while to get to your mailbox, okay? Like, you are looking for people to connect with. You are creating margin. Whatever you used to do in the backyard, grilling, kids playing, do it in the front yard. Whatever you, whatever you do inside, if you can move it outside, move it outside. Eating, reading, whatever, be accessible, be, be um, willing for people to, for you to see people and for you to engage with them. Create margin. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Number two, ask questions. Or I, or I could have, we could have said it this way, go first. Do not wait. Don't wait for someone else to start the conversation, but you go first. You cross the road. You go ask questions. Start with something like, man, I, I know that you've told me your name before, but I forgot. Will you, will you remind me of your name? And when, when troubles arise or when tension arises, that's okay. Be resilient. The last one is this. Create margin, ask questions. And then when you see a window start to open up, when you, when you peer in, when, when that need is clarified, when you can start to look into your neighbor's need, respond quickly because windows close. Church, God wants to use you to love your neighbor. He wants to use you to bless your neighbor. And I truly believe that one of the best ways that we can do that is simply by listening to them. And I, and I think, and this is just part of what it means to be a Christian and to interact with a holy and unchanging God. It just means that we change a lot. That every time we spend time in his presence, that we change, that we move closer towards the person that he has created us to be. And so it doesn't matter if you walked into this room or are listening online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all, or if you've been a Christian for a really long time, we all have a next step. We all have a place to grow. And so my question for you, I just want to leave you with is what's yours? What's your next step? I don't know what that is for you, but God does. And he doesn't want you to walk away from the screen or to walk out of this building or any of our buildings without knowing exactly what it is because he wants to help you be a blessing to the people around you. 
And so I don't want to leave this space without giving you a moment, a moment for God to crystallize something, for you to take with you, for you to put into action, and for you to use this week as we go forward. And we're going to do that in prayer. So, so wherever you are, with heads bowed and with eyes closed, let me just pray for us today. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you so much that we have a God who delights in listening to us, who doesn't get annoyed by our communication, who doesn't push us off to someone else, but that any time, right now, any time that we come to you, any time we make ourselves available, that you are right there, ready to listen to us. You're not far away, you're not out of reach, but you are closer, closer than our breath. And God, I just pray that you would help us embody that love that you have for us that makes you willing to listen to us, that you would embody, that we'd be able to embody that same love for the people around us. And God, I don't know what it is for each and every person here, but I just pray that you would crystallize something, that you would speak to them, that, that we have a God who speaks to us all the time if we're willing to listen. And so let people know exactly what you want them to do. And I know there's someone here on the other side of that screen who, who you're not thinking about your neighbor because you're still back at the woman at the well. How could Jesus love a person that much that he would change everything, change his travel plans, change his schedule? How, how could he love somebody so much that even, he would, even though he was tired and hungry and, and thirsty that he would actually start a conversation and then when that conversation got tough, he wouldn't run away? How could Jesus love a person that much and does he love me that much? But there are some of you who are here today who you've never heard of a relationship with Jesus like that and that you feel something stirring in you. Maybe you can't even put it into words, but can I just, can I just help you out? I think God is calling you to himself. I think he wants to begin a relationship with you or, or restart one that hasn't been there for a long time, that, that he wants to speak to you. He wants to be close to you and he wants you to receive him into your heart and into your life. And so if that's you today, I just want to give you a moment to respond to God. And I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to raise your hand. But wherever you are, I just want you to make this your moment where you would say, God, this is where I'm responding to you. And I just want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I hear you. I know that you're speaking to me. And I want to respond with my life. I'm so sorry for going my own way, for taking my life in my own hands. But if you'd have me, I want to give my entire life to you, to surrender my life to you, where I'm no longer in control. I'm not in the driver's seat, but where I, I give the keys to you and I ask you to lead me in your life everlasting, that you would lead me and guide me down the paths that you have for me. Just pray this, pray this prayer in your own words. Say, God, make me anew cleanse me from the inside out. Renew me. Let my life be new. Please give me that fresh start, that reset button, that moment where I'm not defined by what's behind me, where my present reality doesn't have to be dictated by what I've done or what's been done to me. But help me to receive your love and your forgiveness and help me to walk in new life. God, I pray over every single person under the sound of my voice that, that you would draw near to them. I know, I know it's tough. I know this season has been hard. I know we're hurting. But God, you are closer than ever and you want to speak to us and carry us on your shoulders and lead us to the destination, to the place that you have for us. And we could not be more thankful 
We could not be more grateful. We could not love you more. And so with everything within us, we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for going out of your way to find us, for dying for us while we were far off and covered in sin. And thank you for bringing us close to walk in newness of life. We love you, Jesus. And it is in your mighty name that we pray. Come on, everybody say a good amen and amen.